one time I stood up, I almost fell over because I was dizzy. Right? <laughs> totally I, I, I was so dizzy because I'd been sitting hunched over my laptop for five hours <laughs> that I almost fell over. And, and I was like, this is awesome. How could you just <laughs> no, like do right. that? Welcome to Darken the Page, a podcast for lovers of writing and the creative process. And now, here's your host, Dave Buda. Welcome to Darken the Page. Today's guest is Steve Windsor. Steve is the author of five books, including, including one book that's called Nine Day Novel. Uh, Steve is a monster <laughs> writer and also one of the funniest guests I've had on. Uh, we just laughed this entire episode and such a friendly guy. And he writes about some really dark stuff. Uh, so you'll, you'll see a funny contrast between maybe the content of his writing and his personality. He's just a light, fun, easy to get along with guy. And so what we talk about is yeah, a lot about how to write fiction. For me personally, I got a lot out of this episode and got inspired on writing fiction and what it's like to create a world that's all yours. And so go to darkenthepage.com slash 011 for the show notes for this. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Here's the interview. I'm here with Steve Windsor. Steve, I've been talking to you for the last 10 minutes and I just feel... If we were, if we, if this was dating, I would be like, man, we we're gonna be great together. I'm so excited, oh, yeah. and, um, yeah. <laughs> and and we'd have a margarita. We'd right? have margaritas, and we've already come, we've already come up with great alternate names for the show, uh, which you know, for for we were just talking about it with margaritas. Was it margaritas and what? what? A hug and a margarita. Margaritas and a hug. Yeah, because it's I I really because that's the two things we need. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so I'm just super excited to have you on today, and thanks for taking the time. Hey, it's, it's awesome. I, I love your podcast. Uh, I've listened to a few of them, and, and I really like it. It's, it's the same kind of people who, who I'm finding uh, out that I am, and um, so it's, it's really cool. Like, like we talked about, you just have to find this community of people who are experiencing the same stuff you are so that you know you're not going crazy, because I think at a certain point in this in any kind of creative endeavor, you, you look in the mirror and go, you are just freaking nuts. Yeah. Why are you doing this? It's, it, you might get a hammer out and smash your finger. It's going to be less painful. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's, it, yeah, there's a, there is this element of like, we're not alone here in this, in this doing this mysterious thing that, that, you know, that never seems to be consistent and always throws us for a loop and everything. So, Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, Tell me a little bit yourself as a writer, how you got into this, you know, and I also am curious too, because you're, you, you seem like such a friendly guy. Your picture is just so warm. And then, and then it just seems like, it seems like some, some of the stuff you write is, is not like, I kind of expected you to have, be like a goth guy or something to have like <laughs> black nail polish oh. and like eyeshadow. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, yeah, you got to read my stuff. I, you know, a, a quick history I spent 20 years in Silicon Valley, high-tech startups, and uh-huh. you know I was right there at the cusp before where all they're all sitting in a room just bathing each other in money. Uh-huh. And um, I, I I think there was a point in my career, and I was a director of IT, and I, and I would I've been in so many board meetings and listened to so many people screw so many other people that I just. I just looked at myself and said, you know, if you do make a lot of money, you're just going to give up your soul to somebody because 
yeah, sure, I'd love to have the money. But the problem is I never saw the big payoff without a whole host of people getting just just jacked somehow mm-hmm. really bad and and so i was i have a lot of leftover like rage from just the, the that kind of system playing itself out and um and i think when i when i came out of that i've done a i've done two or three different entrepreneurial endeavors one of them made me a bunch of money and and i blew it and and then a couple of them you know tanked me and i had to go back to work mm-hmm. um and the last one um my wife and I ended up back in the Bay Area, and she ended up getting a job before I did. And I interviewed for six months with Google and all kinds of different people, and it just never panned out. But she got a she got a really good job. She's an ICU nurse. Um, she got a really good job. So I became in charge of our two daughters, who are now six and eight. And it just kind of started working itself where I was like, we just did this big role reversal, right? And, you know, I used mm-hmm. to joke with her, you're just, you, you just go to Starbucks every day and do nothing as a mom, la, la, la. Well, let me tell you, that's, I'm getting punished <laughs> for that. I'm getting karmically punished for ever saying that. Yeah. Um, but so, so I started thinking, I was like, I told her, I said, you know, I always wanted to write. I always wrote things and I always wondered, she goes, well, just write something then. So about 500,000 words later, I had written these three monstrous books. Nice. And I mean, I'm the type of person who goes out and says, where's the manual on how to write a book? Okay, here's the manual and let me read that manual in Mm -hmm. one day and then, all right, I'm going to write a book. And Mm -hmm. then I sit down in Pete's Coffee and I mean, Tyler, Tyler is the guy who who hooked me up with you. Tyler knows. I sit down at Pete's Coffee at five in the morning and I don't come out till seven at night and I end up with about 15,000 words and and it's just... I, it, I I really am just crazy immersed in it, right? But nice. um, where all that anger and rage has come from is just watching this stuff play out. And so, and not only that, but uh, you know, I've got I I'm relatively intelligent, so I kind of view religion with this with this you know black covered glasses, I guess you'd call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so this first big series of books, I kind of backed up and said, "What?" And and really, when authors start, they teach you. I read this book called Wild Mind. Um, Natalie, gosh, I forget, I forget her name now. Natalie Rowe or something like that. Natalie, uh, somebody will know it. It's called Wild Mind. It's an awesome book for authors. Mm-hmm. It it just teaches you to k- get out of your monkey brain telling you uh, to to edit yourself and not say what you feel and just let your brain go. And so I, I came up with this premise. I was like, what if, you know, what if religion wasn't just going into the Bible and sifting out all of the really, really good parts? What mm-hmm. if the way we taught religion was we went into the Bible, found the most mean, nasty, vengeful, and hateful stuff we could find, and that's what we taught. And so I basically, like, re-engineered the story of the Garden of Eden. This is my last book. I re-engineered the story yeah. of the Garden of Eden. And um, and this book is called Steg. And so I make all my my characters acronyms you know sin touches every god which is this this angel's name is steg but it's really lucifer before he fell because god didn't like him being arrogant well i'm like well wait a minute you know yeah if you make a perfect being who's all beautiful and happy and and then you get mad because that being is angry and then you put him in a fiery pit i'm like what how do you That's... do that? <laughs> so, so, is it really the devil's fault completely that he's ended up in the pit? I, I don't know. So anyway, that's the kind of perspective I take on bad books. And it's really, because I just really have this real irreverent 
disrespect for authority. And I, mm. I really love to just show them a mirror and say, you know, all that stuff you guys are spewing, it, it's just not like you're, you're not making any sense, number one, which I can't stand. Yeah. And number two, you're using it to mind wash and oppress people. So I'm, I'm going to just look at it the other way and say, what if you use this part? Like, then how does it validate the other half that you're teaching? You know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, so I've, I've created this whole world in my mind where not only is the government so authoritatively oppressive that citizens are just in misery and they don't know any better, but that's the same damn way it works in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so these angels come down and, and, and they're really trying to overthrow God, basically, because they, they've been convinced by the devil that, that the, the authoritative rule of God is not, is not what they want to be living under. And, so, and it's this whole saga. I've got the whole thing in my head planned out. Nice. Um, I've, I just finished the third book called Faith, where like, my main character is this boozing old priest who just who, who couldn't reconcile. He thinks like me. He couldn't reconcile the truth with what his, his parents taught him about religion. So he just kind of slowly fell away from it. But in kind of, kind of like um, David Carradine in old 70s kung fu style, mm -hmm. it, in my world, when you go to Catholic priest seminary, they teach you, they teach you martial arts. Uh, and you know, just like the, a Shaolin monk would would be taught uh, martial arts to protect himself, you know, because you're a warrior for God, you got to have some skills, man. Mm -hmm. So he's got all these skills, and and he kind of, um, but he uses them. You know, I was I was looking at an interview I did with a with somebody else, and and it was kind of interesting the way I put it. He's he's kind of like, don't force me to break your finger be, because that's what I'm going to do to you if you're not nice. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the kind of, he doesn't want to do it, but he'll do it. So, so you asked me about, you know, writing these dark things. I think there's, I just got a lot of pent up angst from my previous, mm -hmm. uh, uh, life as a, as a technology kind of half executive. I was in mental management, just what I was responsible for the, for the people who were doing all the work and accountable to the people who did nothing and just racked in all the money. So it was, <laughs> it, was it was like this, it, it leaves you bitter. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a fantastic way to 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 approach art i find that i do something similar uh so i write a lot of nonfiction and a lot of a lot of in the personal growth world so what'll happen is like i'll have this discussion with someone or i'll see that someone needs to hear something but I can't get through to them. Like I just, for whatever reason, maybe it's, let's say it's my parents, you know, let's say I'm like, oh my gosh, I know, I know what, what, what's missing in their life. I know the insight that's missing. And although I've tried to talk to them about it, it's just not working. And so I'll have to, I'll just craft an article, I'll craft a, a chapter, or I'll craft writing that sort of does, you know, it, and it's like I retreat into my cave kind of, you know, so it's like, yeah. it's similar where it's like, well, you know, you can't hand the, you can't go to the Pope and say, Hey, I got some ideas for you. You know, <laughs> this doesn't work yeah, that way exactly. yet. Although this guy's really cool. The new guy's really cool. You um, know, I've heard that. I've, I've heard some different things flying around that he's kind of like an enlightened Pope. Which yeah, I think they're eventually they're going to have to wake up and smell the coffee because if they don't get enlightened, you know they've been doing that forever though, right? So, yeah. 
So the Bible says women can't do anything but pop kids out and stay in the house, and now they're starting to let them do everything on the planet. You know, the Bible, you know, so you just kind of maneuver the Bible to be what you need it to be that year so everybody right. keeps coming to church. They saw, their, they saw their bottom line going down a lot, and it, <laughs> that was the problem, I think. They, they finally figured out, hey, this is... Probably, probably need to do something about this. Let's let's get on board with what the kids are saying these days, you know. <laughs> so they they got they got yeah. a pope that was going to reflect that. But yeah, um, exactly. You know, but yeah, but I, I totally, I totally. So one of the things you said, which immediately had me going, okay, I want to ask more about this. Is what's it like to to spend? I mean, what did you say? Five a.m. to seven p.m. That's like oh, yeah. fourteen hours. Um, like how do you how do you do this? I mean, how do you how do you manage this? What what are some do you have like a routine? Do you, I think do you drink you know, more coffee? Gotta, that just do you drink like five cups I of coffee? I do drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do love coffee, but I, my my personality lends itself to short spurts of massive amounts of energy. And and if I if I try to do what all the conventional author wisdom is, and that's why I mean I wrote a nonfiction book called Nine Day Novel, and I and I basically in it said, okay, you can write a book in nine days because I did it and because I know how to do it and I'll, I'll show you how to do it. But, it. but basically, for me, I'm a project-based person and I like to see results. I like to see the, I like to see the end result. I'm not, the journey to me, yeah, the journey's okay and, and I get it, but I want to see the book in my hand or published in, in, on Kindle and, and out there making money. So I sprint for the finish line and... The, the way I do that is, and, and especially once you get an immer- once you get an immersed in a in a make believe world in your mind, going in and out of that make believe world is that's the hard work. That's the heavy lifting that mm-hmm. that it has to be done. Is putting yourself in there. By the time I'm in hour two, all I'm doing is chasing characters that are already doing what they're going to do. I I don't really I my fingers just just my fingers type things as they happen. Uh-huh. in my head, right? Mm-hmm. And so le- making myself go in and out of that on an hourly basis, like if I was just to write one hour a day, like everybody says, you know, all the wisdom I could ever find was write one hour a day and then you win. I'm like, I'm going to be dead before I write a novel. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and going, and then there's the time spent going in and out of that world is kind of what you're saying, right? That's exactly right. You know, once I'm in there, once I've got my brain in there, I can I can type insane amounts. I could type 1,500 to 2,000 words an hour because all I'm doing is just trying to keep up with people racing through their own story and their own lives. And when you stop me completely and make me go do something else that's, you know, like if I got to go do the mail, right? I got to go do the mail, do some bills, do some bullshit, drive my kids around. do that, And then, then you want me to go back in? Well, it's going to take me another two hours to get back to where I was. Yeah. Unless, the, unless so your I, kids want want to be driven around by like a fiery uh, demon angel, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just exactly. stay in the character or something, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I do that too. There's, there's, I, I have all. Oh, dad's writing today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my kids. Yeah, my my poor kids. Right. Yeah. My poor wife. Actually, she's she's like you're so distracted. I'm like I'm gonna get this book done this week. It's gonna get done. <laughs> um. So I, I, I think for me, it's immersion. I mean, if there was one word that I could use to describe my writing style, it's just immersion. I, just, I get in the world, and I refuse to come out until I put a big word count on, on the page. And, and yeah, and it's brutal, right? I, I, I've never worked for so little, so hard in my life 
as I do writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that that's, you know, part of the experience. And I think for me, I'm just like, okay, this is the pain part. And, and in my personality, I'm like, okay, we got to dig a ditch, right? Let's just yeah. make an analogy. I got to dig a ditch. There is a, there is a serious, there's this hard packed clay field and I'm supposed to dig a ditch across it. Well, if I can sit here and look at this ditch that is not dug yet and, and cry, or I can pick up the pickaxe and start digging as fast as I can to get this thing done, dug. Mm-hmm. And my personality is just like, give me the pickaxe, get out of my way, don't talk to me, and come back at the end of the day, and I'm going to dig this ditch. It'll be done. It'll be across this field. Yeah. But, and then I'll be done with it. And, and I think that, that I just apply that same kind of like intense concentration and will toward writing. Um, that's the way I've, I've done every, I'm, I'm a military brat, so you got to realize, you know, it's, there's a background and a history to it. Um, were you in the military or your parents were in the military? uh, No, I'm just, I'm just a product of that environment, which Uh is in, in, as a, as a military dependent, you, you move every two years. Yeah. Um, you don't have lifelong friends. You, you have to restart the world every two years until you're about 18, 19 years old and it, it it gives you a particular skill set, but it also leaves you with this with this particular inability to do things the way everybody else does, which is everybody else is you know if you live in your same place your whole life and and you do the same things you know the same people they get they have routines right mm-hmm. we don't want routines we want change we want we want evolvement and and if everything's sucks where you are then you just pack it up and go somewhere else and figure it out mm-hmm. and and a lot of people don't have that kind of skill you know i think i take that skill set and when i want to do a new thing like writing i took i took that skill set to writing i was like okay i'm starting at ground zero i've been here a million times here's the way you do it you go figure out everything there is to know about it find out some people who are doing it kind of cool dissect everything you can get your hands on and dive in the pool and start swimming mm-hmm. and the the fear part for me the fear part for me right now is do i suck you know what mm-hmm. i mean i mean mm-hmm. the you, you and there's only one measure of that are people buying your books and they're liking your books so mm-hmm. for a while you just are convinced that you just suck i, I mean mm-hmm. you and and you have to plow yourself through this belief that that okay you, you know and i found a couple people who are like oh my god this stuff i love it i love it. and i what what, nice. what killed me is i loved your interview with Allison moon uh-huh. yeah. because she was talking about her different perspective on werewolves and you know the and and, and how she she described the sensual feelings of turning into a werewolf like yeah. actually and she's like a lot of people just did not get what i was saying and, and they had harsh things to say to me. But then there was this other group of people who were like, oh, my God, I so get what you're saying. I so understand it. Yeah. And I think for me that, that helps me get through those, the, the parts where people just don't get me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They don't get the anger. They don't get the sarcasm. They don't get that I'm like sticking a, a, a sharp stick in the eye of authority and religion. And that's really what this whole I'm, – I'm like going to dedicate a year of my life to writing 10 books that are basically like you're a hypocrite and you're crazy and here's why. Yeah. And I put it in a fiction book. Yeah. So the feedback from the Christian book club has just not been what you hoped, really, <laughs> is what you're saying. Oh, well, I, I got a couple good reviews that they, they didn't like my um, use of profanity. I'm like, okay, let me ask you a question. Here's this girl <laughs> who has been 
you know, she's been beaten by her father, molested by her father, and and she she got into heaven and she ended up being a hell, a demon in hell, and then she got resurrected back into life to try and redeem herself all over again. What do you think that person is like? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah. do you think that they're just going to walk around? I mean, this this chick was 16 years old. She cusses like a sailor. She steals stuff everywhere she can find it. And and she'll and she had she cut the head off of a priest. <laughs> I mean, there you go. It, it sounds was like, like a, that sounds like a, my sixteen year old experience. You know? <laughs> so so like I and she did all that without saying the f word once. I, I, I you got to be kidding, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's just no way that's not realistic. You know, I I think about um. There's a guy named Ryan Holiday who wrote this book. Trust me, I'm lying, and he. He, he's an amazing marketer, and he helped Tucker Max market one of his books. Yeah. Um, and one of the things he did, because he's, he's, he's this brilliant media manipulator, is he created massive controversy around Tucker Max's book, which, of course, feminists tend to you know, be really um, against some of like the, the fratire, they, they call it. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and so it's like I think about your books and I think, wow, if we could just drum up a little more controversy among the, among the Christian elite or something. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> by the time it's over, it's plenty controversial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, I got to tell you. Remind me, I'm going to tell you a little story. It's just hilarious, but keep going with your thing. Yeah, that's about it. Tell me the story. <laughs> um, so as I remember I told you those first two books I wrote were they were they were just massively huge yeah. and they were these sci-fi books um, they were they were kind of my rage against the machine when I first came out I was like okay I'm going to write this guy who's just going to basically be me pissed off about his life and technology mm-hmm. and how it's going and all these different things and then he's going to kill everybody at the end which was like I had this fantasy island you know all those board of directors dying everybody died yeah and but during it, I, I was like learning story structure and learning composition and characters and all kinds of stuff. So it was really cool. And there was a point at which in there I was like, okay, the hero has to snap some re- – for some reason the hero's got to snap, right? He's got to lose it so he goes on this quest. So I came up with this idea. His pregnant wife ends up bumping into the bad guy at a coffee shop. And the bad guy is devious and he's nice to her. And so she's sick and tired of her marriage enough that she ends up in a hotel with him, right? Mm-hmm. So, three days later, I came out of that thirty-five pages of them in this hotel room, and it was just like this insane sex scene. Okay, yeah. And at the time, it was like I just couldn't stop. I I, I was I was writing it, just going, <laughs> "Oh, this is awesome! This is awesome!" Yeah. And this is this is totally awesome. And I I couldn't come out of it, right? So I ended up publishing it just like that. Well, my mother-in-law freaking read it. Uh. <laughs> so it was like she had to stop <laughs> nice she had to stop and like she t- it took her a week to go back and start reading it again my wife i told i told my wife i said if your mom reads this i'm not responsible uh-huh. <laughs> i'm not responsible because i'm warning her not to read it but i think that's i i some of the best advice i ever got was in and it was out of other books learning was write the unthinkable and mm. That is really because everybody's living the normal. Mm-hmm. You know, every day you wake up and you just live the normal. So if if you write the unthinkable, then people are interested enough, or they hate it enough, one or the other, that it it is interesting to to read, and it 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 is a subject that's worth talking about. Something that 
is that we would that we just kind of say, oh, I'm just, I'm just not going to think about that. But you do think about that, mm-hmm. right? People think about all kinds of crazy crap, oh, yeah. and that's why they have distraction, escapism, television, and escapism novels, and everything's escapism, mm-hmm. and, and it's mainly because we're escaping from some life that we create. I mean, I know you're over in Bali, which is I thank God for you, right? Because somebody's <laughs> got to have some kind of like like alternate perspective than what you get living in the U.S. And I think living in the U.S., you get this weird perspective, like it's normal for 98% of us to hate our lives and hate going to work every day. Yeah. And 2% of us to be like, this is the best thing that was ever invented because I have a bunch of slaves that now I don't have to give health care to that are making me so rich I can just sit on a yacht all day and fly, fly around on my chopper. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we've designed as life. <laughs> and we all know it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like we sit around going, oh, yeah, that's what we did. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding? Yeah. That just doesn't seem like reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you, if uh, I mean, you, you write about like those people falling from power, I, who doesn't want to read that? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I've got a question about back to the Pete's Coffee thing because I'm still fascinated with this. And, when you're in that, and, and I want to say too that you're really inspiring me to, to do more fiction. I love, how, I love how I can really get that, what it's like to be in that world as a writer and get to create whatever you want. Uh, just, it's, very, it's very inspiring. So what is that actually, what is that like? This, this is like, what, how do you experience this, this like just zone of let's call it genius or the zone of the flow as you're in Pete's coffee and it's just your, your fingers are going like a mile a minute. Um, yeah. And what's that like for people, you? People ask me that all the time and it's, it's an unexplainable thing. I think I, you know, back to your, back to your interview with Allison, um, you know, she was talking about drugs and, and people, uh, using thing, different things to get into some different place in their mind. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I, I, I'm a speed person, right? Not that I take speed, but once I start going so fast, once my fingers are going that fast and my mind is thinking that fast, I'll actually laugh out loud to myself about something that I'm saying that is, I believe is like massively sarcastic and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will be looking, but like that background noise of a coffee shop, like I don't really hear anybody when I'm in there. Yeah. If I'm in dead silence, it's harder for me to write. So this kind of white noise buzz in the background yeah. just just lets my mind detach from all of it and and once i like i said once i get in that world i'm not really coming out of it in my head um and it's and it's it's addictive it's kind of seductive and addictive is it cuz it's a it's a it's an alternative world and universe where you can go and do all the things you wish you could do every day but you're not allowed to mm-hmm. and and that's an addictive place. So I think for me, I get into it, and I, it's it's almost like drugs. You're just like, oh my god, oh my god, I just got to have some more of this, and some more, and some more. And and I don't think I'm even getting desensitized to it because when I get to that place, it and it like I said, it takes about an hour, two hours to really get in there where you're just following the action as it happens. Yeah, and. And then I find myself looking up. It's like one or two in the afternoon. I haven't eaten. I haven't gone to the bathroom. Nice. I, you know, I haven't stopped <laughs> doing anything. 
and I stand up. One time I stood up. I almost fell over because I was dizzy. Right? <laughs> totally I, I, I was. I was getting. I was so dizzy because I'd been sitting hunched over my laptop for five hours <laughs> that I almost fell over. And, t- and I was like, "This is awesome! How could you just <laughs> know, like do right? that? You could self-induce yourself into some kind of, you know, into that." And I and I think you. I, I think authors ought to ought to harness that kind of power more often you know all too often everyone gives out this advice well wake up in the morning early do an hour then go to your hell job then come home and do an hour after that and then in next year your novel will be written and i'm like you know and and that's why i wrote that nine day novel book and and because i was basically like okay well what about this what if you did this the next time that your family goes to disneyland for nine days Hole yourself up in a seedy motel that costs 30 bucks a night uh-huh. and just write the whole damn time. Don't eat, just drink water or get a pizza delivered yeah. or whatever. Just write. Just write. And I could, I mean, literally, I could write probably 20 hours a day doing that. Yeah. Um, and when you come out the back end of that, you've got a novel where last week you did not have a novel. Yeah. And to me, that's so seductive for me that. I, and I know I can do it, and now I just keep proving to myself again and again. I'll tell you, you know, your body suffers for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what, yeah. But whatever, you know, you're going to go out and drink and eat pizza and do do crappy things on your body in your life anyway. Yeah. And then you'll recover, or you won't. But but that it's it's going into that world, and and really, I think if you're writing about something you really really care about. And I hate passion. I hate the word passion because I'm I'm just a I'm a push person. I you know I'm not a oh I have to do this because I'm so passionate about it. And I'm like no man I'm gonna do it because that's what I said I was gonna do. Yeah. And um, but 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 if you love it that much, like why would you want to stop and go eat dinner? Or why would you want to stop and go take the garbage out or or do anything else? Just stay in there. And and at the end and literally my I, so I got a writing partner her name's Lise Cartwright I'm I'm gonna give her a plug but she's like how do you do that I'm 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 like I just go in I don't want to come out and and I hate it when people pull me out yeah um and and there you know life's got responsibilities and things like that so my wife and I getting these arguments I'm like look I need to do this I've got to do it I can't go to this party or whatever the hell you want me to go to you know like, yeah. to see the same damn people I've seen fifty times you, you know mm-hmm. in the last week. I, so to me, th- this kind of changing gears journey that I that we talked about earlier is I'm going into a different world, but I'm taking my old kind of work ethic and and habits with me, which are allowing me to put production out. But they're also they're also kind of, I'm I'm fully aware they're very damaging, right? Like mm-hmm. I my nutrition's crap and and. And my my sleep patterns are totally crap. And yeah, my, and my yeah. wife's an ICU nurse, right? So what is she thinking? She's like, "You are gonna heart attack." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but the last thing I'll see is like some angry angels. So they're, it's not gonna yeah. scare me when I get to hell anyway. <laughs> Been there already. <laughs> I'm like, I wrote you, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I just love. I, I really, I just so love what you said. Um, it, you know, I one thing I want to add is like. How good does that food taste when you put the first meals around 4 p.m.? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I right? love it. You know, nobody in, nobody in America, well, okay, I won't say nobody, but most of us don't know what hunger feels like. Right? Totally. Oh, totally right. I'm, we're like, I've been doing we're this. like, oh, oh my God, I haven't had McDonald's in a week. I'm starving. I'm like, you are not starving. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You just want, there's a difference between wanting to eat and being hungry. Yeah, you know exactly. I, I'm, exactly. you know, it, that's so good. So I, I've been doing this routine here in in Bali. For whatever reason, I get up early. It's actually seven thirty a.m. right now, um, and I start super early, and I just drink coffee, and I might have like a energy bar type thing from our little co-working space here. Just something like something little but usually not and i'll drink like two cups of coffee and i'll do these interviews i'll edit some audio and i'll do my own writing do that kind of stuff and then usually and i and then my favorite part is like afternoon and then there's this kind of like race to see how long i can go before i eat <laughs> it's like yeah so, yeah so it's like, there's a certain point at which your body just says okay we're not gonna eat yeah it's sort of like it's like having to go to the bathroom which i also yeah procrastinate too if i'm in something which is hilarious <laughs> i'm sure you can relate to that i so, think if you can yeah. find the thing that that causes you to behave that way i mean i think that's better than you could read a million books about finding your passion but find what will what what you will deny sleep deny food and deny even relieving yourself in the bathroom and you have found what you love to do so much that you should go do that i totally agree with that yeah 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 and 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 i there's something about writing hungry that just is so much better i don't know what it is but there's this sense of it's like my body feels that I have to get this done <laughs> otherwise I won't eat so there's like yeah. extra motivation or something yeah you know? yeah no I totally get it Ugh, I that's... totally get it so I've been doing you know I, I I think the the creativity part of this has really got me and even when I was in IT I loved I loved design and things like that so I just I do all you know I'm sure you checked out some of my book covers but I do all yeah. those book covers myself oh nice and in Photoshop I and mean, I'm actually starting to do do that kind of stuff for other people now because they're like oh I love your book covers who does your book cover I'm like I do it all where do the, I do where the, the photos come from covers um the first two photos came from this girl who her name is Christina Otero. Okay, mm -hmm. she is a Spanish self-portrait artist, and um, she's amazing. Does amazing stuff. Unfortunately, I can't afford like right now. I can't afford to. So the third one is not her, but the first two are her. Mm -hmm. um, Jump and Fury are, yeah. are her stuff. Yeah, she's got like eighty thousand Facebook followers, and when she was sixteen, she I think she just picked up a camera and started photographing herself. Yeah, and it, you know it helps that she's good looking, but at the same time, her photography skills just went out of control. Yeah, and I think she's like a Pentax, um, you know, pro for Pentax or something now, uh -huh. and she just takes these insane photographs. So I kind of found them, and I was like in love with them so much that I that I used my <laughs> blew my wad on on my budget for publishing the first two on on pictures from her uh -huh. and um but if you know once it starts rolling again i'd love to go back and use her again but those are but the rest of them you know i find stock images that speak what i want to say of the character mm -hmm. and um and then i use those and and clean them up really nice in photoshop and i've got some i use google tools and stuff on on and i'd kind of desaturate them a little bit so that they're not so perfectly whatever um, yeah. And then all of the all of the photos from the covers are basically part of the story. At the very very end, you'll find out why like every photo existed, and mm -hmm. and I've already got that kind of planned in my head because because the the books are about different types of people and they don't necessarily represent exactly what's on the cover, mm -hmm. um, but there is a theme, and at the end you're just going to go, oh shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I like I I like you know 
so so let me tell you about this one scene because it was kind of cool and I yeah. and I like it. I like certain scenes. Like I'm really so. There's a fallen archangel from heaven, and he's he's having to go down to the to the world and clean up some things. And he ends up in this church, and they've got to go back and attack heaven somehow. And they and he doesn't know how to get the priest up there with him because the priest is gonna. So finally, he comes up with this dialogue. Well, well, you know, your soul's got to get to heaven somehow. So so basically, in the morning, they surprise everybody and they cut this priest's head off <laughs> so that so that that the angels come down mm-hmm. and. They're going to bring his soul back. Well, they hijack one of the angels <laughs> so that they can they can them themselves as angels bring the soul back. Because there's only one way in and out of purgatory. Either you're you're ferrying a soul in, or you're ferrying a soul out of purgatory. That's uh-huh. the only way in and out. Yeah. So angels can't go in and out unless unless they have a soul to bring. So they kick this angel's ass that comes down to bring the father's soul up, and then they hijack his soul and go up to heaven or go up to purgatory. And you know, it's it's. Like the stuff you think of, I think, how do you think that up, right? You've got to get in this mindset of what yeah. would happen if this, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of authors have, I mean, I get, for me, my, my best weapon is what if this happened right here? What, what would happen? Mm-hmm. And I just don't deny myself anything, right? Yeah. You, you, you can't really say, oh, well, that's, nobody can, that's not, you're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. You, you can't say that ever. You have to say, what would happen if you did do that? Mm-hmm. What are some other prompts that you use um, in the storytelling to to you know spice it up or to like what are what are some other th- the contexts you set? Um, I I think right now so so interestingly enough, my wife's uncle is the sheriff of Alameda County here, and there there's been all this all these things in the news in the U.S. right now is is this militariz- militarization of the police force, right? They're getting tanks and they've got all these ex-Marine people are becoming cops from Afghanistan because they're, we've got an oversupply of soldiers who need work now and so they all end up in the police force. Mm-hmm. And we're just militarizing the police to the point where you're not going to know the difference between the military and the police pretty soon. So I took yeah. that idea and said, okay, we'll project that 100 years from now. What, what? And you've got a population that's just smashing up against the capacity of the earth to handle it what would have to be done in response to that in order to control it right nice. well you'd have to have this brutal police force that if you stepped out of line they they club you i mean that's it's that simple you can't just have 10 billion people on a planet bumping up against each other stealing each other's stuff without somebody who's there to club them <laughs> yeah. so i created this basically this kind of 1984ish world where everybody just accepts that you're not free anymore. You do what you're supposed to, you do what you're told to, or you're going to get thumped on the head by the police and they really don't have to be nice when they're doing it. Yeah. And and so that is the world that I ended and I'm from I'm kind of from Seattle. I I went to high school up there and then I ended up going to University of Washington in Seattle. So I set it all in the rainy, foggy dark gray backdrop of the northwest in seattle so everything is always gray and rainy and miserable and 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 that's the way the citizens live so i took this world and i overlaid it with a physical reality that's just gray and rainy and miserable and cold and that's the way they feel anyway so that doesn't seem abnormal to anybody either right it's just constant mm-hmm. um and then there, yeah, this is this is back to your conversations with with Allison again. With, but I created this 
this drug that everybody takes that a pharmaceutical company invented to control the populace, and it's basically called judgment. But they, uh, the street name for it is J, okay? Yeah. And they all take this stuff called judgment. Well, judgment makes you hallucinate about angels and demons and devils and stuff if you take too much of it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, it, it gives you all these sex fantasies. So it's kind of like ecstasy, but then when you OD, you, you, um, you dream of angels and devils attacking you and killing you. Okay, so there's kind of this undertone of, well, what's real, right? If if people are all take if the citizens are all taking J so that they they can handle reality, but then they're slipping in and out of this this mind wash state of of either euphoria or total panic and, and hell and demons. Well, what are we actually reading? Right. What are you actually are you reading reality? Are you reading somebody's like total crazy acid trip mm-hmm. or or are you, or is it just flipping back and forth between the two? And so I think I've left that as this open question and this underlying tone where you know the world's gone mad, but but if the world slowly went mad, do you think anybody would think the world's mad? They wouldn't. They right. would just think it's normal. Boiling 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 the frog, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I love I really I'm I'm so I'm so excited that you're bringing this like this this excitement for for creating your own worlds because it's just not something that i do a lot and it's it's just so cool to i just so appreciate it yeah yeah it's uh well i I love it i mean i love that part the most i think you know if we go back down to a practical part of this for authors and the author experience i think that you have to harness this enormous creative energy and allow yourself to use it and not judge yourself for it. But then at the end of it, you have to package that up as a product. Then you have to find consumers for that product. And you have to promote and market and price and do all these things. And so it's you flip out of that that creativity. And this, uh, this is what I think, you know, you've there's there's the new book that is The War of Art, right, where they basically are mm-hmm. talking about how creative people fail to to turn the corner because they don't know how to sell art. Um, and I think that's the brutality of of being an author right now is, number one, you're going to self-publish because publishing house not touching you until you have a, a bunch of success. They, they just go find ponies that are already decent, successful, and, and they, they get them. So as an mm-hmm. author entrepreneur, you're going to you're gonna become a little mini business person. And they're two totally, completely different mindsets, right? You, you know, you've got to allow yourself this whole creativity flow on one side and on the other side, it's just brutal business work. And yeah, and I think that that, uh, that part of being an author and the journey that authors are on is it, it's tough both ways, right? Because it's hard to do the one side where you're, where you're really creative and allowing yourself to, to just be, be very um, innovative, right? And then there's this mm-hmm. other side, which is this, this kind of very business side of selling books or selling yourself with your book or marketing yourself to the right people or finding a way to get space on you know and that is very capitalistic right it's it's just this this dog eat dog you know world of you've otherwise you're just kind of writing a journal for yourself right yeah You're writing a self-help book for yourself. And I think it's important to have those be separate. That's one of the things that I see a lot of people make mistakes with is that 
you know, those, those are just two absolute distinctive things. But when you start to let the business bleed into your creative process, it just doesn't work out because you're not happy with the product. Even if it, even if you do find a way to make it more marketable, who gives a shit? Because it's just ultimately not why you got into this in the first place. Well, yeah. So, you know, along that, along that exact line. So I wrote this nine day novel book because my, my friend convinced me to, because I was whining to her that my fiction stuff was not selling anything. And she was like, well, you know, write a nonfiction book. Everybody wants to know how to. So I, so I go write this nonfiction book. It's just like brutally outpacing my fiction books, but that's not what I want to do. Right. It's, it's, I want to create stories and, and while I think I think creating fiction stories right is about like flying to L.A., getting a getting a tiny little apartment, um, getting a job as a waiter, and then waiting to become Brad Pitt, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're it's going to be a brutal, bloody ride, full of therapists and and liquor. Yeah. Until you finally one day, you know, you're you're like married to Angelina Jolie, and then then you're like, wow, it was totally worth it. But during that whole time, you're you're kind of like, oh my god, why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The business end of fiction is just not not it's not a pleasant ride sometimes. <laughs> well, like you, you know, you can you can relate it to all kinds of different artistic pursuits, and um, we have a friend who interestingly. He, you know, he went to went to art school out here. Then he started doing this art, and he he basically deconstructs old old um, encyclopedias, rips them apart, and he creates them into canvases back together. And he's getting like a lot of notoriety. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Sam Jones, anyway. <clears throat> but but he started getting a lot of notoriety after after a while. But at the beginning, it's just brutal. He's making no money, took years. And then finally, you bump into a couple of the right people who are like, oh, yeah, that's fabulous. But but fabulous is always eye of the beholder, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's it's like lightning striking. You you bumped up against the person who had the right connections, who said that you're fabulous. And now, oh, lo and behold, everybody else thinks you're fabulous, too. Well, mm-hmm. were you fabulous before that? Yeah, you probably were. But you just hadn't you just hadn't bumped into the right set of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's totally true. And uh yeah. So how do you I, this I think this almost sounds like a dumb question because I feel your enthusiasm for this, which is obviously what keeps you going. But um if you have those moments of like, well, you know, what if I'm just doing this for myself for the rest of my life or I don't know if you have those <laughs> those those thoughts or like what 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 keeps yeah, you going? Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> I had just had the three seconds of my day where I didn't look in the mirror and, <laughs> and go, This is gonna end poorly for you in a trailer park with a beer on your stomach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my God. So um yeah, yeah, I I'll tell you it is it is a uh I I don't want to spend too much time doing self-introspection about it. I think it's probably part of the it's, it's a subliminal part of the reason why I race so fast. It's cuz I'm like I know there's a finish line somewhere and and I've got to get to it. And the only way to get to it faster is to go faster. Yeah. So I think I think that's kind of what uh, I'm just it's like I'm being chased by the own de- of the demons and angels that I'm riding, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm just really I'm just really trying to outrun them, um, and and so yeah, there's it, it's all the time. I, I 
I think I get wrapped up sometimes. I like I like watch my Kindle direct publishing stats. I like keep refreshing them, going, "Why the freaking hell is nobody buying that book?" <laughs> and it's it's but it's it's weird. You just got to kind of get away from it and keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is what you're supposed to be doing is continuing to do the process. And there is no like like I mean a million people can say it, but you have to say it again. There's just no overnight success anymore. You don't wake up. And you're not J.K. Rowling, you know, writing Harry Potter tomorrow. It, it, that's right. not happening anymore. Statistics alone deny that as a possibility. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to put in the hours, put in the time. And my logic to myself is, okay, if it's 10,000 hours, you know, Malcolm McDowell, whatever, his little be an expert, 10,000 hours, right? Yeah. Um, if it's going to take 10,000 hours, well, I'm going to put them all in tomorrow. I'm going to yeah. put 10,000 hours in tomorrow. Yeah. And then I'm going to be then I'll be closer. Um yeah, it's so true. so yeah. for me it's more of a if this is a numbers game and and I kind of boil that down for myself I'm like okay I can write this fast and I I need this many many words to make it a full size novel and that means that I need to have this many hours this week. I'm like okay let's do it. And that keeps me from saying, oh, God, that's a lot of hours, and I really should go for a hike and take care of myself, and I shouldn't have this beer while I'm writing, and I shouldn't, you know, it stops me from yeah. doing all that because I just go faster than my brain will, you know. I get my brain in this world and go, yeah, this is way funner. Killing angels and demons and bad people is way more fun than going for a hike or, or freaking going to the grocery store. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I have, a, I have an interesting way of looking at this, too, because this, I think this is – this is like the question really it's like how do you frame what you're doing so you don't go crazy um and i decided to to do a um a really silly journey uh a while back i mean i actually kind of recommitted to it a few months ago which is basically like i want to have a popular blog which you know it's like the the chances of a blog being quote-unquote successful is like so freaking small but i saw people doing it and i said you know i just i just love writing like in a really strong opinion piece every week and I want to have a following and I want to, I want to do it. And cause I've been writing blogs for six or seven years and it just, it was just my thing. So I said, all right, I'm doing it. And I started, I started off and this is kind of where it didn't work was I started thinking about, okay, I'm going to write with the purpose of having a successful blog. And I realized I had tried that already. I tried that a year prior and it didn't work. I just stopped. I got burned out. And what shifted this time, which I think is making all the difference for me, is I'm I'm writing to write. So I'm writing as a practice, and I'm writing because it's just like really for no one else. I'm just I'm doing an article a week, and I'm writing for me, but more for the practice of becoming a better writer, or the practice yeah. of expressing myself better. And even with these podcasts, like okay, cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna find um, an ulterior motive that will go increase whether or not this is successful or not. So for example, for me, I'm, I'm liking the idea of cutting out my us, likes, and you knows and becoming a better speaker. And yeah. so these podcasts are filling that role, whether, I, whether one person re- listens to it or, or 10,000. And so I can, I can stake my success on something that I know is going to be successful. Like I know I'm going to get better at this. I know I'm going to become a better writer. Well, and, and I think that, you know. that right now, uh, Dave, it, I think you've hit a niche and a need 
in authors that are that are really trying to decide whether or not they're pro or whether or not this was just something that they they decided to do one day that's not really a good idea and and the the more that you show people it's you know authors that are that are starting out that this is the kind of trial and tribulation that everybody goes through this is the this is it's a shared i, I don't yeah, I want to call it a shared misery, okay? It's a shared yeah. dream to be sure, but it's shared misery and and if you can see that other people are going through that same same misery with you, it's much more easy to palate. So, so I think more, you yeah. you you're going to find that as you go, you you're going to pick up this following of people who want to know that today there was somebody else in the world that was having the same thoughts they were having and now they can go back and and write again. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I think from that perspective, finding something that somebody really needs, you know, I think you're doing it. I think that that kind of niche and then doing it in a medium, right? Yeah, okay, you can write and tell me, you know, you can tell me about it. You can say what I need to do or you can let me hear the other people that are having the same thoughts and how they deal with it. And I think that that's much better. I, th I think allowing them to hear real people because really you read things in self-help books and it's kind of like I know you're trying to sell this so that you make money and then it's not really real kind of but when you can hear somebody's voice speak about it yeah it, like it is so real then yeah I, I really appreciate that and 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 it's and it's cool too because this podcast to me is in that beginning stage too where it's like I if I look at the you know the Amazon numbers I'm like I'm like all right well some people you know are downloading this but but I'm still it, it, that really does mean a lot to me and so I appreciate that yeah yeah it's in a new stage so yeah um so uh last question here um if you were to go back to the time when you started writing like when your when your wife said hey why don't you just write the book and stop complaining about it or something and uh what and you could just pen yourself a note that would sit that would sit by the desk on the day that you sat down to write um with what you know now what would you say to yourself you know i i think that i would take it to a different place than than the point in time that you took it and i and mm, i think that where i would take it was back to about when i was 19 18 years old and because I've, I've always written. There, there's a thing inside you that makes you want to write things, okay? Yeah. So I had always written. I wrote poems. I wrote little stories. I wrote things in my head. I wrote, you know, I wrote, even when I was writing a, a, something for corporate America, it was like I was putting my soul into writing it. And I remember, and I remember specifically the time. Nice. And I don't remember the year, but it was, you know, I was 18, 19 years old, and I wrote this little story and I showed it to somebody, and they just didn't get it, and they kind of scoffed at me for it. Mm. And that just crushed my will to, to like, ever do it again. And mm. I think that if I was going to do something, I would go back to that very moment and say, do not listen to what they're saying. You need to do this because you know you need to do this nice. and do it for yourself. Don't do it for them. So it took me another 25 years past that to ever like make a concerted effort at this. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that's just, that's like a lifetime of holding something inside you that you should not do. Yeah. Um, 
So especially, you know, if you're 20 and, and you're just insanely love writing or you insanely love photography or you insane, you've got plenty of time to screw it up, man. Go do it. And if you mess it up, guess what? You get another lifetime. When, when you end up being 40 or 45 or 50 or whatever, you can still change and switch gears. But by then, you're in a trench, man. I'll tell you, you're yeah. in a trench of life that wants you to stay in that trench. And it is way hard for you to come out of it. Yeah. Um, but mistakes are easy when you, you think they're hard when you're young, but you can recover from. Them. You got nothing but time to recover from. Mm -hmm. I I totally hear you. Th those moments can be like really really devastating, and and it it makes me think of this one story somebody told me once. You'll appreciate because it it's about Jesus too. So <laughs> <laughs> so I was playing. Uh, I've been playing bar gigs and just you know musician i've been playing music gigs forever and um i was playing and i and i took a break and this guy came up to me he's he talking to me and he says oh man he's like i you're great dave and you know this is i wish i could do what you do and i wish i could sing and i said oh well you know yeah everybody sings man I mean, you know you can sing and he goes no nah, man i don't sing you know I, I, and i said why not he's like well because you gotta understand what what happened to me is uh you know i was i was actually i was in church when i was five years old and I remember back then I was I was loving it. I was singing and we were we were there in, in the church and I was and I was singing along with the music and my grandmother turns to me and she says she says um she says honey could you could you keep it down Jesus wouldn't want you to sing like that oh. <laughs> and the, oh and he said and I, and I just stopped singing at that point and I never and I I don't oh and then I don't sing anymore and I'm like that is the that is the saddest thing I've ever heard in oh my entire my life. God. That is yeah. sadder than like 10,000 puppies getting murdered, you know? Oh yeah, that um, is, but that's, you know, that's what we do to people, right? That's, yeah. that's what we do. It's just, you just want to cry. I mean, we come on American idol. They just made a sport out of crushing people. I mean, yeah. that's like blood sport, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, if we make shows out of crushing people's dreams, then then why wouldn't we tell somebody to shut up singing? <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. I think I think part of me too has just got this this sarcastic belief that that you everybody needs to take a good look in the mirror and and just just decide that that the way everything has turned out is not the optimal way we could have done this as a as a species, right? Like mm -hmm. the we could have done this a whole lot better than the, than the way that we've done it, mm -hmm. and and pretending that we've just like reached the pinnacle of man is, is kind of like, oh my god, really? That is that is the most delusional thing I've ever heard, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to say I we could go on for another couple hours here, and and, and especially just about our personal beliefs and how those seem to overlap too. It's very exciting. Um, but thank you so much for just your humor and your fun and bringing really like bringing your, your world of writing into this too. I really felt that what it's like to be Steve's in, in, in Steve's world. So thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. It's a scary place. <laughs> it's a scary place, but way, but exciting. You know, you walk by that, you know, you're like, I want to check that out. I want to go in that, that building there. Um, and so, um, and, and I'm going to go and link to all the stuff we talked about here. So, um, darkenthepage.com slash, I think this is going to be zero one one. And so, yeah, this is episode 11 and, um, going to put all the links there and, 
um, yeah, thanks so much for sharing your enthusiasm, and I really look forward to checking your books out too. Yeah, absolutely. This yeah. was it was awesome. It was it was good to take a break and talk to somebody about you know um, the passion, right? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. All right, Steve, I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks a lot.